Hey folks, for the next two weeks we're preparing for the Christmas season here in the UK and so we've got an extra special Christmas gift for anyone who joins our Epic Learning or Epic Educator programs between now and the 6th of January. That's the 12th day of Christmas, seen by some as the official end of the gift-giving period. If you choose to give your children the gift of story-led learning this winter, the teaching method that science has proved beyond doubt to be the most effective, memorable and enjoyable, we'll give you all 16 of the Fables and Fairy Tales series absolutely free. Not only does that mean you'll have 32 brilliant stories from around the world written by myself and other epic storytellers and gorgeous illustrations from Winnie the Witch's Corky Paul and friends, but you'll also have all the stories you need to go with every single lesson plan in this podcast series. For more details, stay to the end of this podcast. But I can tell you now, it's, it's easy to claim this gift. Just visit epictales.co.uk slash learning and choose an annual payment option. That link can also be found in our show notes. Oh, and by the way, if you're already a member of Epic Learning, don't worry. You've got a Christmas bonus coming too. Be sure to check your emails. Right now, though, it's time for me to wish the warmest of greetings to you. So... Tiny Voice Talks with me, Tori Bono, and today Tiny Voice is talking about happily ever teaching, and I'm joined by Chip Cahoon. So, welcome, Chip. Thank you very much, Toria. And I have to say, you have one of the most cheeriest hellos in the world ever. Yeah, I, do you know what? What's interesting is I find that I always smile from ear to ear when I'm introducing because <laughs> I just love these chats so much that I just every time I'm so excited we can hear it we can hear it in your voice we can hear your smile oh that's really nice now Chip I well I've come across you I've actually been on your podcast I'm loving what you're doing but for anyone that doesn't know who Chip Cahoon is who is Chip Cahoon well I am a storyteller First and foremost, um, I imagine many of your listeners may have seen me on the Oxford Owl website. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm particularly famous, I think, for my big carrot, uh, which you can find on that website. No joke, (laughs) I promise. Um, But I have also written the EU's guidance on using storytelling in the classroom. I've got a Mm. couple of um, low-key local children's storybooks out there. Um, One's a, a history book on the Vikings and the Saxons called who made england mm-hmm. um and yeah generally i go around all over the place inspiring people through story and a particular passion of mine helping teachers to use stories to inspire the children in their classrooms which beautifully takes me on to my first question which is this <laughs> why are stories important 
goodness me, I wasn't expecting that question. And it's such a huge <laughs> question to ask first. I know. No, you don't come on Tiny Voice Talk to get easy questions. <laughs> it's like, you know, we start off with the big ones. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Ti- tiny Voice, big question. Okay, why are stories important? Well, uh, can I take you back about 40,000 years? Um, yes. About 40,000 years ago, human beings lived in caves. And uh, we weren't the only ones, actually. There, there were quite a few different types of human living in caves. Mm-hmm. There were the the creature that would become us human beings. Um, but there were others as well. The most famous, I think, would be the Neanderthals. You've heard of mm-hmm. Neanderthals, yeah, right? Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Um, most of the children that I speak to and, and share this story with, they've heard of Neanderthals too. And they're really surprised to know just how similar we were. So human beings and Neanderthals both lived in caves. They both wore clothes. They both made tools um, that they used to go out and hunt their food. Neanderthals had fire to cook their food. Mm -hmm. And they even decorated their caves using hand art. Um, The the only difference that scientists have so far worked out between human beings and Neanderthals is that human beings created stories. The earliest art we have... um, sort of uh, representations of nature, Mm. um, both uh, in terms of cave art and ultimately uh, like little statues, models and things. Um, These all were by human beings. There's no examples of Neanderthals having Mm. ever done that. And we've got um, also examples of how human beings began to play with these creations. So they would, you know, put the head of one animal on the the body of another or, or, you know, the the head of an animal on the body of a human and and things like that. Mm. And again, roughly around about this 40,000 mark, we had uh, another ice age Mm -hmm. and the Neanderthals didn't survive. They pretty much went extinct. Wow. But the human beings, they did survive. And I'm pretty sure the reason they survived was because they had this imagination now. They'd been creating stories and that gave them the ability to think about things that had gone on before, think about things that might happen to adapt, basically. And essentially what I'm saying here, Toria, is if it wasn't for stories, none of us would be alive right now. Storytelling is hands down the most important invention that humanity has ever had because it's kept us alive for 40,000 years, longer than any other branch of the species of human. It's more important than fire, more important than clothing, more important than tools. You know, even more important than counting because there's evidence that Neanderthals had rudimentary counting skills. Mm. But they didn't create like human beings did. And that's what's kept us alive. You think of every key moment in history, you know, creativity comes into it in one way or another. And that's what storytelling is. It's the ultimate form of the imagination. Is that a good enough answer to your question? you know what? That was actually, that was a really, really good answer. You can have 10 out of 10 for that answer. Because honestly... (laughs) I love that. And I'm like, oh, fascinating. You know, the listeners weren't expecting a history lesson, but they got one. So you've you've told us about the importance of stories. But mm. tell me about how storytelling improves, I don't know, the lives of children in class. Because, yes, they learn a story, but does it go beyond that? 
Oh, well, do you know, I I don't know if I can really explain it in the time that we've got on your podcast. I, mm. I have all sorts of um, ideas behind it and that there's all sorts of research that um, I've been part of and that I've done to to try and to get to the nugget of what it is that makes it work. Mm. But I think, again, going back to that, that little uh, snippet of ancient history we just had, um, it's just going right to the root of what makes us human. You know, the imagination underpins every single aspect of our uniquely human lives. So let, let's, you know, focus on schools um, okay. specifically. We need our children to be good problem solvers. Well, what is mm -hmm. solving a problem? It's imagining a potential solution to what you've got in front of you. Yeah. We also want to help our children have good futures, good lives ahead. We, we want them to be ambitious. And what is the ambition? It's imagining your future self. We want to help our children to understand each other, to empathize. And what is empathy? It's imagining yourself in another's shoes, imagining what other people are going through. You know, that's what drives all of our social interactions and and even something like numeracy. What is numeracy? It's you, you don't chop a tree down and, and find numbers inside. All of numeracy is conceptual. There's, there's a brilliant book called Sapiens by Yuval Harari, um, which I'd recommend everyone to read because it shows just how intrinsic storytelling and the imagination is in the development of humanity. And one of the things I love sharing with pupils and students I meet on my travels is that the very first language that anybody ever spoke was essentially counting. That, that was the first language that was ever written right. down. And it was from counting that we eventually got the need for symbols to represent larger qualities, to represent what was being counted. And the, the very next development was the language of argument, because we needed to argue about who had the most and who had what <laughs> and who it belonged to. So, you know, if you go right back to the very origin of the subjects that we teach, numeracy and literacy were exactly the same thing. So... At, at its heart, if you develop the imagination and the storytelling ability of your children, you are giving them a skill that underpins literally everything that they do. You know, I think you had um, uh, both Roz and Pion recently talking yeah. about the um, the importance of reading and, mm. and how that kind of is there in every single subject. And, and and talking and how that's there in every single subject. But that's what storytelling is. It, it, this is an art of communication and it's an art that's there in everything. I mean, we're doing it right now. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was going to ask you, well, where do you see storytelling within the curriculum? But actually, I think you've already alluded to the fact that it's everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, that's what our podcast is about. The, the Happily Ever Teaching podcast, as, as you know, from from being I part do. of it. Um, we, we start with the story. We mm. do what everybody expects. You know, we, we look at how the story could help you teach English and PSHE. But then before the week is out, we talk about maths. That's always a curveball. You think, how can you teach maths through storytelling? But we do. We do it every single couple of mm. weeks. And then we have an episode on science and then we look at um, geography, history. Sometimes we even have episodes on physical education and uh, 
you know, religious education. Um, and it always astounds me what the teachers come out with. You know, they, they look at the story and they often think, oh, where's the maths in this? Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's brilliant how you can literally use a story. And what's great about it is that because human beings are so naturally attuned to stories, we, we live stories literally every single day is a beginning and a middle and an end we are so used to this form of communication that this 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 art uh, sorry i've been distracted because my cat's just come into the room I, th I think he loves listening to me talk about this as well <laughs> um we, we are we are so used to this uh form it, you know it's intrinsic to us that, that's the mm. word i was going for storytelling is intrinsic to us so it's so easy for us to slip into a story and just start soaking in all of the information we don't really know that we're learning when we're doing this but um, there is so much science out there which shows how our brains are wired for story in fact that that's actually a book that i would recommend for folks it's wired for story and there's usually a copy of it right by my desk but i've lent it to someone so i can't remember the author i think it's lisa cron um, but that contains loads of brilliant uh, research uh, to show exactly how um, as soon as we start listening to a story, our mm. brains go into learning mode. Um, yeah. So we're learning often without even realizing that we're learning because we're enjoying the story. Yeah. And that means that, you know, if, if you're using this in a classroom, your children are going to be having fun, which is great for their well-being. They are going to be motivated to learn because they're they're constructing this world of the story themselves. They've got instant ownership, instant investment in the lesson because they're mm -hmm. they're creating the world as you tell it to them. And, you know, th those are the, the key things that are going to drive every successful lesson that you have later on in that day. Absolutely. And I think you're right. You know, I found it, uh, yeah, utterly refreshing being on your podcast and just being presented with a story um, and being asked, you know, what what could you get out of this story across the curriculum? It was such a lovely thing to do, actually, just going, oh, actually, I could do, because again, when you said maths is a curveball, oh my goodness, yes, because, you know, what maths could you get from this story? And you think, oh, Ooh, math story. Mm -hmm. But of course you can. You can get so much maths from every story. But I just wanted to pick up on something you said there about, you know, the way it you know it develops children, etc. Because um when I interviewed Miranda McKinney um about um Empathy Day, she talked about the science of um reading and of course stories mm -hmm. and the fact that it it's it's been shown that it develops children's empathy. Yeah. That actually when they are experiencing a character's emotions from a distance they are able to empathize and in a sense experience those emotions yes, yeah. so that they are more equipped when they are going through things themselves in the future and I thought that was really really powerful because sometimes we shy away from those stories we think are going to be too impactful but actually mm. what the science is showing is that those are stories that will really equip our children for their future. That's right. I've, I, I know many other storytellers who will agree with me that we think one of the reasons why there are so many mental health issues in the world today is because 
they're almost because of Disney. I, I don't want to lay it all on Disney because I, I personally think that Disney do do a better job today than maybe they did in the early years. Mm. Um, but this kind of dumbing down of the folk tales and the fairy tales back back in the day when. Um, uh, you know, the Grimms were collecting their tales. Mm. Um, the stories that were being told were the kind that they were collecting, you know, where um, the ugly sisters really did chop off their toes and chop off their ankles in order to fit inside that shoe, where the wolf really did gobble up Little Red Riding Hood yeah. um, because they they didn't shy away from sharing those sorts of um, visuals and information with their children because that's the way the real world is. Yes. And if you hide that from children, then when they eventually grow up and get into it, it's very shocking. No wonder you then get anxious. No wonder you um, then uh, find it difficult to you know have certain relationships mm. um, it is so important to prepare our children and, and stories are a great way of doing that yeah it's interesting you bring up Grimm's actually because I remember I went to um, this fabulous um, exhibition for Grimm's fairy tales up in London and I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't know what I expected, Chip, but I'll be honest, it wasn't <laughs> what I got. I walked into this, what was like an abandoned warehouse. And I walked from fairy tale to fairy tale to fairy tale, but they were truly grim. Mm -hmm. They weren't lovely in any way, shape or form. And I was really, really shocked. And it was only then that I realized that what we've done is we've romanticized fairy tales, which was never their intention. Their intention was always to equip for real world problems as such. Yeah. Um, but what we've done is we've romanticized them so that they feel better. And I think as a teacher, I'll be honest, I've done that many a time with things that I've brought into the classroom because it's felt easier to, de to deal with something that's slightly nicer than to deal with something that may equip children better for the future, if that makes yeah. any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally get. Yeah, I can understand why people do it. Mm. Um, but I think the the other thing is, it's maybe partly to do with how visual the world has gone in terms of the way we represent yes. art. Um, of course, if you are sharing a story with someone and you're describing um, violence or um, danger, mm -hmm. um, yes, okay, you have the chance of um, scaring a child, and, and quite often I find children children enjoy that experience. Oh, um, but they're they're only going to let it get as bad as their own imaginations will take mm -hmm. them. So you know that. They very rarely have nightmares and unless you go into graphic detail and you, you know, you, you really reference things that you perhaps shouldn't be referencing. You know, you can talk about um, a, a character like one of the ugly sisters chopping off their toes mm. um, and, you know, a child will take that. They'll go. They might go. ah, um, But they're not going to have nightmares from that. They're going okay. to focus on the um, the emotional part of the story um, that that created that generated. Actually, thinking of um, what uh, Miranda was was saying to you there about empathy, mm. um, you, did you uh, clock the research that was done? I think it was um, twenty thirteen. It might have been twenty thirteen or twenty fifteen. It was certainly around that time um, by the Institute of Education, where they um, 
managed to find that children with a love of reading outperform their peers in every single subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, in fact, we've been pretty much um, saying the same to every single teacher we'd met because um, we, we'd been storytelling for about five years before that in education. And that was exactly correlating to our experience. And there was um, a Harvard uh, professor, I'm trying desperately to remember his name. Um, and he was one of the founders of Harvard. So it'll be very mm. easy if someone wants to Google it later. But he basically um, pointed out that if, if you want anyone to succeed in their education, you need to try and um, help them develop the habit of success. And too often we um, share with our children the habit of failure. And because we mm. set them a task, um, and of course, they can't do it. So you mm. have to teach them how to do it. But that means that their very first experience with that task is failure. Now, if you instead begin with a story and you give that task to a character in the story, the character may experience the failure, but it means that your child is getting that from a distance. So it's not yes. their failure. It's a character's failure. What then happens though is the character ultimately succeeds you, you want that to happen you want the character mm -hmm. to succeed with whatever the challenge is and because the child has created that character in their head the experience of success that the character has is one that they are feeling and empathizing with in the moment so when you then go on from that story, you, you say to your children, let's have a go at that ourselves now. Now that mm. we've seen Hercules do this or now that we've seen the woodcutter do this, let's let's see if we can do the same. The children are much more likely to be able to replicate the success of the character. And because they've their very first experience of that challenge is the success that the characters had. Uh, through the course that. of the story so you are developing that habit of success through story that, that I, if you want me to i could give you a thousand reasons why storytelling needs to be used more in the classroom well i'm gonna we're gonna move into that because actually you know i work with many teachers i'm a teacher myself as you know what would you say to the person that says oh you know i just don't have time for storytelling it's such a lovely idea and i'd love to be able to do more of it but i just don't have time to fit it in oh i hear that an awful lot um so i've i've got a a stock response to that i guess um which is you know it takes about 15 to 20 minutes to tell an entire folk tale okay um or you know, that's about the time it takes to read a chapter of a book as well, I suppose. But the great thing about telling a folktale is that you can get through the entire story, beginning, middle and end, in about 20 minutes. And that can take your children on an entire emotional journey of, you know, starting in a place of either comfort or slight unease going into the darker place where the problem sets in and then coming out on the other side um, victorious in some way and you can take them on that emotional journey and if you've got children who are um, reticent about reading longer chapter books this is what they need they need to be able to have an entire story so that they can just get the enjoyment of stories. That's what leads towards wanting bigger stories, longer stories, more stories. That's what leads towards reading. Yeah. But if you put that at the start of the day, rather than having this as, you know, a, a thing at the end, if you've got time for it, 
then you can use that story, use the learning opportunities within that story. And you've got children who are already in that world, already fired up, already motivated, wanting to spend more time with those characters, spend more time in that world, research that world. They'll be wanting to make their pictures of that world even stronger. So you, you couldn't find a better launch pad for you know, NASA couldn't design a better launch pad for your day. It really will go to huge heights. Uh, I actually um, did some teacher training for um, a, a fairly large school here in Cambridgeshire mm. a few years back. And it, it was one of those fortunate positions, really, where it wasn't just a single day's training. I was doing it over um, a few weeks. But on one of the early sessions, um, I had a teacher challenge me. She said, you know, this, this is all very well, but how are we going to be able to teach the actual uh, uh, the, the, the actual elements of English like um, grammar? punctuation yeah we, we can help our children to become better at, at creating stories certainly mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. what about the technical aspects of writing you can't teach that through a story can you um interesting and i said okay challenge accepted um this this was right at the end of the training session so mm -hmm. i i had to say to her i will prepare something for our next training session um to, to deal with this for you. Um, and I thought about punctuation specifically because she'd mentioned that. And I set myself the extra challenge of trying to choose a story that the teachers would already know. I didn't want to make something up afresh. Yeah. I didn't want to pick an obscure folktale from the middle of Indonesia or something. Um, I wanted something that I was sure they would know. And I, I went for Alibaba. You know Alibaba, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting um, for the next bit now. That's <laughs> grammar from Alibaba. Carry on. Yeah. Well, you know how in Alibaba there's a, a password to open the Thebes cave? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Open sesame. Mm -hmm. Well, all I needed to do was tweak the story ever so slightly. From my version of the story, you didn't just have to say open sesame, but it was the way you said it that was important. Ah, so nice. when when Ali first heard the thieves um, opening the cave, they they said the words open sesame. Oh. And then Ali goes back to his brother, Kasim. And mm -hmm. just like in the ordinary fairy tale, the next person to go along to the cave is Kasim. But when Kasim says open sesame, nothing happens. Oh, and he's confused Jesus. because he's reading the words that are written down for him by yes. Ali and he's, he, you know, it's not working. So Ali realizes there needs to be some sort of symbol on this piece of paper that will help Kasim remember Ooh. how to say these words. Nice. And you can see where this is going now, can't yeah. you? Loving I took this. this back to the the next training session and I shared it with the teachers. They then went away and they tried it. When they came back for our final session, they said, Chip, I think we've got a bit of a problem here mm. because we actually had two weeks set aside to work on punctuation with our children. Thanks to the lesson plan you provided, they got it in two hours. Wow. They now didn't know what they were going to do with the rest of the timetable. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think they were joking about that. I think eventually yeah. what what they knew was that they had 
even more time to consolidate. And of course, the, the, the bonus of doing it this way was the children had a story now that they really loved and could write a sequel for. Mm. They could write um, posters for, you know, to catch the bandit. They had all sorts of ed- extra literacy that was coming out from it. Um, but when we actually analysed it, we we realised that the actual teaching element, the actual lesson element of my lesson plan had been just 10 minutes. Because you had, you know, the 20 minutes setting up the story. You had 10 minutes of a game in the middle where the children were challenged to um, think of what punctuation they would use. Um, And then you had another 10 minutes at the end where the the resolution of the story was given. So, you know, in in an hour's lesson, 10 minutes was all the children actually had um, to, you know, work on the punctuation, the technical aspect alone. But they got it and straight away they were starting to use it in their writing. And that makes so much sense because I think, especially when the national curriculum changed and there was a diff, you know, a heavier emphasis on grammar and punctuation, I think so many teachers panicked because we mm. had to teach children grammar and punctuation that we hadn't had to teach them at that stage before. And I think there was that, oh, my goodness, how are we going to do this? How are we going to fit it in? And actually, what you're saying is, fundamentally, if you teach the story right, it can be absolutely weaved in, which takes me beautifully, Chip, onto your podcast again. Because (laughs) actually, what your podcast does, which I really like, is it gives teachers ideas about how they can actually weave these things in, doesn't it? Yeah, that that was exactly the aim. Well, the the aim actually um, goes back to your original question, which was, you know, how do we make time for this? And Mm. because we knew as storytellers that if you put the story at the start, then everything becomes more efficient. So we we started right from the beginning of the first lockdown, not just putting out a new story. Well, back then, I think we were putting out a new story every week. But we wanted to also put out a podcast in which teachers could not just get the story nice and easily, but also get the lesson ideas. So they Mm. were kind of off the shelf lesson ideas. And we've um, kind of slowed down a little bit in terms of our story output. But that's because we are doing even more to support teachers now. Um, Our website has a, a function that allows you to search for the thing you want to teach. So you could put counting in there if you're, you know, in early years, you might even say counting in twos. Um, if you are um, further up the school, you might want to put in something like, I don't know, um, uh, mechanics, mm. uh, or you might want to put in something like um, plants, life of plants. And it will find the story that contains those learning elements within it so that you can then um, share the story with your children. And it's also important for us um, to make sure that you've got a variety of ways to share the story as well. Yeah. Because if, if you've got children who are familiar with the Oxford Owl videos, um, then they will already know my face. Um, they could probably watch a video of me sharing the story. And that's absolutely great. Um, if you've got children who love to read or love reading with you, um, then go ahead and get one of our ebooks or paperbacks, and um, not least because they've got brilliant illustrations by folks like Corky Paul of Mm. Winnie the Witch. 
Um, but also because, you know, we've, we try to construct them in a way that elevates children's language as you go through. I mean, in, in the, this version that you had, um, for, for the podcast you joined, Toria, um, that was a, a story from Indonesia and it's very mm. refrain based. I think the, um, the sequence happens about three or four times. Um, and I, I know that you mentioned during our podcast that you probably wouldn't select this story specifically for a year five or six class but i hope you notice that every time the refrain repeated the language level was slightly raised but yeah and what i also liked was during the podcast then you know i said that but you actually you you said you know it's about the refrain but you can change the language depending on the and i think that's the important thing i think what you offer um, teachers is you offer them the story but also there is the potential for teachers to alter that story to fit their audience in exactly. the classroom at that point and yes. I think that's what I was just because when I read the story initially I was thinking yep yep key stage one absolutely potentially lower key stage two yep and I was thinking of because I was doing a lot of planning for you know, what upper key stage two were doing, I was thinking, oh, would I do this story with them? Mm -hmm. And actually, when you said, yeah, but you could actually change the refrain, you could, the vocabulary could meet the needs of that audience, Mm -hmm. that changes things. And I think what it does is it empowers us as educators that actually, we don't necessarily, if we're storytelling, we're telling in a way that's going to engage our young people, but that doesn't mean that we need to read every word on the page as no. it is if we don't mm. need to. And I'm sure as a storyteller, you do that as well, meeting the needs of your audience at that potential moment that's, in time. That's exactly right. And that's that's why, you know, uh, again, right from the off, one of the most essential things we wanted as part of our resources was telling tips to help yes. teachers being able to share the stories themselves. Because uh, like I think I mentioned in that podcast you were on, um, Michael Morpurgo, Michael Rosen, they're absolutely brilliant, but they don't know your children better than you. Mm. No one's going to be able to tell a story to your children better than you because you know the sort of language that they can understand. And that's that's the language you use yes. at the start of your story in order to draw them in. But once you've got them, one, once they've already created those images in their head, then you can start to raise the language level. Yeah. And what you'll find is that your children don't start putting up their hand to say, what does that mean? They automatically know because they've already got a picture of it in their head. And one of my favorite examples of this from my own experience um, is actually from way back, uh, I think it was 2008. um, So I'd I'd only really been storytelling professionally for about a year then. Obviously been doing it for many, many years before that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, in in 2008, went into a a school in London um, with a a group of year threes. And um, we were telling ancient Greek tales. And again, started from um, a level of language that we knew our that the, the year threes would be able to take mm. um, but by the end of this particular story it was the tale of Meliaja there's a, a wonderful scene in the middle of that story where there's a boar hunt um, and the boar is ultimately caught by Meliaja and the words that I used to describe the the boar's final death was he vociferated 
Oh, nice Not word. a single year three put up their hand to ask what that word meant. Wow. They just got it. And when we did a writing workshop with the children later that day, every single one of them wanted to use that word. They only mm. had one question. And you know what that question was, don't you? I do. How do you spell it? Exactly. So they, they were using that word absolutely accurately. They just wanted to know how to spell it. Yeah. And that's the great thing that you can have with storytelling. You can start with language that your every single child in your class will understand. Um, and you can gradually move up to language that even goes beyond your gifted and talented. Um, and they will start to naturally just apply it to their own their own vocabulary that's wonderful it really is so the podcast is happily ever teaching and what's the website so the website is epictales.co.uk mm-hmm. and if you head there it'll ask you uh, whether you are a, a teacher a grown-up or you just want stories um, so uh, my advice when you first go there would just be to say, I just want stories, because then you'll get to straight away see the list of all the stories that are, are okay. there. Um, if you register, then you can start looking at the latest video. Um, that's always completely free, our latest video. Mm-hmm. So you can use it with the free podcast as well and start um, practicing some of the techniques. And then, like I say, if you want to um, search for a specific learning outcome, put it into the search bar, um, find out which stories there are, um, maybe get a hold of the book, um, get a hold of the old episode of Happily Ever Teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, it gets to um, a subscription package at that point um, if you want to access all of our archive, um, which at the moment is only £7.50 a month. Wow. Um, and I think it's a little bit more if you want to have the paperback delivered to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can share that with your children as well. Uh, But we hope that's a a good level for something that's going to, I I think, really boost the learning in your classroom. Yeah. And, you know, from being on your podcast, what I know is that, you know, you gather the ideas from the educators and, and what you have on offer then is the various planning linked to the you know to that story etc so That's actually it's, it's a great offer and it's I think you know from my point of view as an educator as I said as I've already said I found it wonderful being engaged in that process of just thinking about everything I could do with the story but then what I found was I was able to go back and go oh yeah actually we could do this <laughs> and you know looking at other stories so it's a fabulous idea it really is so what are your final words on storytelling, Chip? Final words on storytelling. Well, um, I would say to, to anybody who's been listening this far, uh, but is maybe thinking that that's all very well, Chip, Toria, but I, I don't think I could do this. Mm. I want to say you already do. You are a storyteller because you are alive. That, that's as simple as it goes. Remember, 40,000 years ago, this was the invention of humanity that has kept us going 40,000 years longer than any other form mm. of cave person. So you don't need to worry about it. You can do this. I'm not an actor. I don't have any um, degree in acting. Storytelling is one of those art forms that is still today passed on from mentor to apprentice and and so on and so on like that Mm. so 
you know, th- this isn't something that you need any special qualifications for. And actually, that's one of the things that makes it so liberating and easy, because when you tell a story, I often describe it as being a bit like the conductor of an orchestra. You're not making up a story. You're not, um, you know, being that creative at all, really. All you are doing is letting the young learners in front of you um, know something that you happen to have heard about. (laughs) They are like the orchestra because they do all the creative work. They actually make the pictures inside their head. And just like every instrument in an orchestra has its own range, its own tone, its own timbre, every single imagination in your classroom is going to produce a slightly different picture that will be differentiated to their ability, that will be specific to them and will truly motivate them to love being in your lessons so it's so easy just to tell your children a story i'm sure the moment you say once upon a time you know you've got all of your children's rapt attention try it give it a go and have fun with it and please let us know please let toria and myself know through twitter and everything um how you get on yeah Great words on storytelling. Now, before I let you go, Chip, as you know, I always have a final question, which is this. If you could have been taught by anyone, living, dead, inanimate, within a story, whoever you like. (laughs) Inanimate? Has anyone ever given an inanimate answer? (laughs) They might have done. You'll have to listen to all the podcasts to find out. I've been listening to quite a lot of the the back (laughs) ones, but I haven't yet heard anything inanimate. Um, So who would have been your perfect teacher? Ah, well, um, I heard someone, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I heard someone on your podcast recently um, saying how um, the, the teachers that they'd, they'd had mm. were the right ones to have. Um, I, I actually went to five different primary schools while I was wow. growing up. And I, I actually moved between them six times. So I went to one of them twice. Oh my um, so I've, I've had more share of, of teachers and I, I think your your average uh, English child mm. um, and I can't remember them all but I do know that every single one of them helped me to become the person that I am um, which I know is a little bit of a cop-out answer if I was to be more serious about it I I think I'd have to choose between Aesop or Jesus oh my goodness and the reason I'd be choosing them is because they taught in exactly the way we've been describing. Yeah, they told stories. stories. Yeah. And both of them, I mean, it, I think I'd probably gravitate more towards Aesop because mm. um, in those stories, you get some science, you get some understanding of just the natural order of things, but you also get some spirituality because you're exploring the um, emotions that are at play, the, the morals that are at play. You can learn so much from an Aesop story. And I think he, he, he really knew what he was doing. And I'm pretty sure jesus knew of aesop as well um because yeah aesop came before jesus didn't he so um i yeah I'm, I'm sure jesus got some ideas from him yeah i love that actually though two storytellers and i've got to say you know aesop's fables i've used myself many a time within the classroom because they are such a wonderful way of teaching mm-hmm. such a variety of things but yes i think you know fabulous additions to the tiny voice talk school 
Oh, Chip. Thank you so much for having us in. Oh, it's been glorious having you in. It really has, Chip. And for the listeners, if you want to catch up with Happily Ever Teaching, if you want to go on the website and so on, all the links are in the blurb. Attach the podcast. Do click into that. And yeah, let us know how you get on with storytelling and whether or not this episode has just given you that bit more confidence to be the storyteller in your classroom. Yeah, our um, Twitter tag, by the way, is at Teach Happily. So please tag us as well if you're if you're answering that question. I'd love yeah. to hear it. Perfect. Chip, thank you so much for coming on and to go thank off you, and Toria. tell more stories. I shall. I'm going to do exactly that. Christmas is coming. We're already in the season of Advent by some Christian calendars, and so we have a very special offer for everyone who wants to give their children the gift of story-led learning this winter. The Institute of Education, Bath University and EU Lifelong Learning have all proven beyond all doubt that storytelling is the best teaching method for delivering a knowledge-rich curriculum. And no one has been designing story-led curricula for schools longer than we have. But while you currently have access to all the story-led lesson ideas in this podcast series, you can't access all the stories unless you're a member of Epic Learning. Become a member and you instantly have access to over 60 stories as ebooks, audiobooks, and storytelling videos. You then receive future stories as paperbacks every single month. But because it's the festive season all the way to 6th of January by many Christian calendars, if you join between now and then at the annual payment price, we'll also send you our entire back catalogue of printed editions absolutely free. That's 16 beautifully illustrated paperbacks absolutely free. Pay monthly and Epic Learning membership is £150 per year. Pay annually though and it's only £126. So you're getting a whole two months free as well as your special Christmas gift. And it's the same price wherever you are in the world because these books are printed all over the world. So you don't have to worry about any excess aircraft fumes. In fact, books are actually a fantastic way to fight climate change because a treasured book is a form of carbon capture. But you'll also be looking after our futures by raising your teaching to epic levels with the most engaging format of our stories in existence, the physical format. The one you can let your children hold and read independently or else easily turn to show all your learners at once those incredible illustrations by Winnie the Witch's Corky Paul and his students. Of course, if you really want to cement your standing as everyone's favourite teacher, you may also want help developing your storytelling skills and have a set of stories researched and crafted especially for your learners' needs. If that's the case, you'll want to jump on our 
Epic Educator course, which includes three months of Epic Learning as standard. And if you join Epic Educators between now and 6th of January, you'll still get that special gift of 16 books. It's only £325 to become an Epic Educator, and that may be something your school will be keen to pay, especially when you let them know EU Lifelong Learning proved children taught with story-led methods outperformed those taught with traditional methods by 26% in standardised tests. All you need to do to claim this Christmas bonus is sign up on our website between now and 6th of January using an annual payment option, either for Epic Learning or our Epic Educator course. To do this, simply head to epictales.co.uk slash learning. You'll find that link in our show notes. We can't wait to start empowering you and your children with the magic of story-led learning. So we hope to see you there soon. Thank you.